0: A company's position about digital transformation could be out with the old and in with the new. But generally, if a product or service has existed for a long time, that's because it has held its value. In a legacy business with good values and a deep tradition, digitization of services is more about improving respected systems as well as innovating with a forward-looking mindset. Stacy Goodman, Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Prudential Financial, describes her strategy for transforming the digital experience at Prudential.
1: We actually have an application that was built in 1968. Now that's before the man stepped on the moon. That's a pretty wild stat there. So we're definitely on a journey to modernize our environment significantly. And we're taking multiple tacks on that. At first, it's just build some foundational tech capabilities, which include both the what and the how. One, what are we trying to solve for, which is improving the customer experience, really helping our customers, improving the experience for our employees as well. But when we think about tech transformation, it's also about the how. We're thinking about expanding agile techniques and processes more broadly, how we deliver core technology services, how we deliver to the customer so that we can test and learn because we really want to improve the customer experience. So we're doing a lot more around design thinking and using those techniques to better the experience for a customer.
0: On this episode of IT Visionaries, Stacey explains her areas of focus concerning digitization of services at Prudential. She details both her own priorities and those of Prudential's customers, and she also chats about her career journey. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries, and today we have a special guest. She is the EVP and Chief Information Officer at a small little company called Prudential Financial, Stacey Goodman. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Albert. Uh, it's good to be here. Yes, a very, very small company, Prudential.
0: <laughs> yes, we looked it up on LinkedIn, surprisingly linked to us. No, I'm just kidding. Prudential is a massive company. I think most of us have seen your commercials for sure. Uh, we looked it up on LinkedIn. It's over 26,000 employees. But for those listening, if you're not familiar with Prudential Financial, Stacy, can you tell our audience what it is you guys do?
1: And before I do, I want to know if you saw our most recent commercial.
0: Well, I don't know. Which one is it?
1: Oh, well, you've probably seen our PGM investment one, but our most recent one is talking about Who's Your Rock? You should watch it. It's awesome.
0: All right. I'm going to go check it out. Who's Your Rock? Make note of that. We'll probably link it in the show notes below.
1: All right. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about Prudential. So we're a 145-year-old company, and we started with life insurance. In fact, today, we are global in over 40 countries. And we are still a leader in life insurance. But now we are one of the largest asset managers, which most people don't know. And we have about $1.5 in assets under management. And if you put that in perspective, we are probably the 13th largest GDP in the world. And so as the CIO of a company like Prudential, it's a lot of fun to be part of something so special.
0: For those of you guys that just didn't hear her, say that number again. How many assets under management?
1: One and a half trillion.
0: One and a half trillion. I want to say a small percentage of that is mine. Um, <laughs> it's a very small percentage. <laughs> you, Prudential, I am a Prudential customer, so I'm really excited to have you on the show. You know, one of the things that we've learned over the years at IT Visionaries or over the seasons is one of the biggest, hardest things to do is to modernize, digitally transform massive companies. But you guys are in a different boat, too, because you have the extra layer, which is you're in the finance game or the FINRA game, uh, heavily regulated industry, which makes it a little bit more challenging what you guys are going through. Talk about what you're attempting to do there at Prudential to up level that customer experience, because as we know, every company is going through some transformation of some sort. I think finance, financial companies are probably lifting it a little bit harder right now. Um, but give us an idea of what the company is going through, given the way markets continue to move and modernize, and people want better, faster experiences. I'm sure all these things you guys talk about just about every meeting.
1: There's so much going on. I don't even know where to start, but let me, let me talk about just the change. You know, when I started, we actually have an application that was built in 1968. Now that's before the, the man stepped on the moon. <laughs> <And that's> pretty <laughs> a wild uh, stat there. So we, we are definitely on a journey to modernize our environment significantly, and we're taking multiple tacks on that. At first, it's to build some foundational tech capabilities, which include both the what and the how. So, you know, one, what are we trying to solve for, which is improving the customer experience, really helping our customers, improving the experience for our employees as well. But when we think about um, tech transformation, it's also about the how. We're thinking about expanding agile techniques and processes more broadly, how we deliver core technology services, how we deliver to the customer so that we can test and learn because we really want to improve the customer experience. So we're doing a lot more around design thinking and using those techniques to better the experience for a customer. And just to give you an idea, you know, how much better it is, we have just built with the help of Salesforce, uh, online self-service, which we couldn't do before. You you couldn't change your beneficiary before calling into a contact center. And now through S- Salesforce platform and just our own development, we've been able to sort of automate a lot of capabilities and provide kind of a better experience. We're also doing things like data science uh, techniques, which we did some of, but we're really putting it, what I call on steroids. So things that used to take days to do like underwriting now takes seconds. And so we're getting better at kind of building foundational capabilities, changing the way we work so we can deliver faster, smarter, and a much better customer experience. There's a lot going on. But if you think about Prudential, just like any major company, we have a lot of of technology that was built in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. And we have to manage that while we're starting to improve. And if I may, Albert, we're also focused on innovation and really differentiating as well, because we look at technology as a game changer. You know, one of our aspirational goals is to be tech forward.
0: I mentioned in our pre-call, but for our audience that wasn't there, that I'm a Prudential customer, that my very first job used Prudential retirement investing so that I could put money away. And of course, they would manage my portfolio for me. I got to pick a couple different funds and, and so on. So that's how I got into Prudential side. But you hit on a really great point in regards to how you have to modernize with the customer because finance is one of those industries where once you have your money there, like I'm telling you, it's been there since 2006. I've not moved the money to another uh, servicer. And when I go, let's say, open new accounts or get new opportunities from different jobs, like you typically open an account, like all of a sudden I'm access to Vanguard, all of a sudden I'm access to Fidelity. You know, those are obviously competitors. But you know it's one of those industries where people like winning a customer is so important because the customer probably is not going to move talk about that like drive like cuz that's an interesting factor to, to you know make sure you modernize that experience to get that next wave
1: well obviously we we definitely the experience is, is the differentiator right you want a good experience so you you say your money's been here since 2006 I don't know about you, but I like to go on and check that my money's there almost every day.
0: I check it every month, <laughs> every month. <laughs> you know,
1: month I may go daily, uh, but but kidding aside, you know, you're at the point where you not only want to check it often, but you want to check it from anywhere. And so, you know, things happen along the way. That experience has to be good. How many times do you forget your password? And I got to tell you, I forget mine all the time because I'm constantly changing them. obviously having responsibility for info security, we think about putting the proper controls in place. And I personally change all of my passwords often. So now all of a sudden, you know, I'm somewhere, I have my phone, I need to check something. And the first thing I I do is mess up my password. So like that experience to be able to reset your your password, be able to look at your kind of balance every day uh, from wherever you are is really important. I, I think that retains a customer, that experience, just those little things.
0: Certainly the simplicity of the access to the information that, you, you know, that is yours, that certainly can, makes it easy. You know, we checked it out on LinkedIn. It looks like you started this role in 2019. When you, you, know, when you first got to Prudential and that's you, you know, something that new executives often talk about, it's like, you know you got to lift up the hood. You got to almost take inventory of what you got. You're mentioning that you're sitting on an application from 1968, potentially, that you know you have to modernize. Talk about what did you see? What did you see as the opportunity? How did you react when you first sat down? Like, were you scared? Were you excited? Like, give us an idea what that first day was like.
1: Uh, I, I was excited. I mean, look, Protection is a great company, Albert. It is a a fantastic company. High integrity. The opportunity to help us change the experience and the perception from being a a rock and a solid, stable company where you keep money to also being a great customer experience is just really exciting. So how could you not want to join and be part of that process, right? So to me, to be part of something so game-changing and transformational is exciting.
0: How did you yourself think about prioritization? Because with a company of that size, obviously custom-built applications, vendor applications, like you got everything, right? You got vendor tools, you got custom-built tools, you got integrated tools, you have tools that need to be integrated. Like I'm sure there was... A lot of requests, let's say, of you in the first ninety days. How did you go about prioritization? What did you think about in regards to like, hey, what what do we tackle first?
1: Well, you know, you have to have multiple threads going. First, we have to look at the core platforms. You need to have the capabilities in order to change. So, I mentioned agile, but you also need a modern infrastructure, right? How do you get more to market fast if you don't have kind of DevOps capabilities, the ability to kind of test and learn quickly, right? So, we can work in an agile way, but you need all of the technology tools to do that fast. So, that's kind of one thread we definitely were going to focus on, and we've done a lot of work in that space. The other and the primary reason is we are a business. I want to be a technology company one day. I think we'll get there, but I think what we want to be is tech forward towards our business outcomes. And so, since we are a business… We want to be the best. So we have to think about the outcomes and we prioritize the outcomes that are most important to serving our customers. And that's what we focus on. And that's how we prioritize. So when we think about it, there are core foundational capabilities we're working on. And in parallel, we think about our customers. So Albert, tell me what you want me to focus on next. (laughs)
0: I don't know. I feel like as a customer, I'm always thinking about how do I get even bigger returns? So I guess uh, being able to access more funds, more product blends, maybe some automation investing. I think that's very popular right now where people like robo advisory tools to like do it for them a little bit. I'm sure cryptocurrencies probably probably, like when I think of the next wave of investor, like they're probably gonna want a blend of, let's say equities and possibly crypto. When I choose where to put my money, I want, even if I choose the most conservative blend possible, I think people like optionality. I think they like to know that they could be more aggressive if they wanted to, that they could, even if it was like, I think about when I put away money and there's like options to say like, hey, 10% goes here, 10% goes here, 10% goes here. Like I can self-diversify. I'm just thinking about like, so it's like a lot of optionality and control is I guess the common theme between what I'm saying.
1: Well, you know, that goes back to self-service. We want to give you capabilities so you can do a lot of things yourself but ultimately we have a secret weapon which are our advisors right we have a big advisory capability so once you've played around a little bit and think about what you want to do you can speak to an advisor who can help customize because the robo advisors are getting better i won't say they're great but as your thinking matures you may want a little advice along with the digital experience so you definitely want to self serve you want to see your money every day you want to do it everywhere you want to be able to run scenarios and In, like, seeing what your balances will look like with this product or what it will look like in 20 years, et cetera. You may want to do all those cool things and get some advice, but ultimately, we combine that whole continuum. And that's where our goal is not just to provide the digital, the digital with the advice is really where I think we can differentiate.
0: That is definitely something that we observed and we've talked with different CIOs, CTOs on this show as they talked about, hey, There's like this evolution over time where uh, let's say help, like we just said help. It was like you had to get in line into a call center. So that was a bad experience. Then there was the creation of knowledge bases. You can look it up yourself. But then what we started realizing is well, Especially like in the world of finance, I don't know what I'm reading, <laughs> so I don't know what I'm reading. How can I help myself? So then I had to get back in line or back in chat. So I think you definitely, especially where your company sits, it sits in a place where the reality is most people I probably don't know, like they don't know enough, right? So they they do need some type of advisory. I don't think I don't think knowledge journals and articles are enough to get a customer, you know, into a good decision that they feel good good about.
1: Well, I think there's a spectrum. There are some people that. Are, are savvy and can do it themselves or need simpler products, but then there are folks as you as you graduate or, you know, begin to have more complexity to what you need, the advice is there, which is different. But I will tell a funny story because you triggered something when I, I was uh, much younger and we talked about this before we started, my father said the same thing, you know, put away a few bucks every year, you won't even notice it. And I did, but I also thought I could do my own taxes too. So one year, a couple of months before, right, knowledge base, I read all about doing my own taxes and the form looked pretty simple and I did it and I put it aside and about two days before they were due, I took out the real form and then filled in. And when I went to reconcile, the numbers didn't add up and I was pulling my hair out. Thank God for my father and his accountant. So I filed an extension and then he did my taxes for me. So it goes back to the advice factor. It, it can look simple, but it does help to have that kind of guidance a little bit, because you may not know how to do your taxes completely yourself, even if you read a book and you may not be getting everything you need. So having that advice continuum is great. And so that's kind of how I see it.
0: I 100% agree. And when you think about for yourself, right now, what are some of like the technologies that you're really excited to bring bring into like the existing customer experience, or maybe it's the service experience? You know, it's one of those things where we always like hearing directly from the CIOs and CTOs themselves. Like, hey, I'm really bullish on this. Curiously, for you, industries and in implementations, microservices. What are some of the things that you're really excited about possibly bringing to the bringing to the business portfolio?
1: Well, I, I said some of the basic foundational stuff, like, you know, moving to the cloud like building total native cloud-based applications and moving to a full DevOps model, which I'm really excited about, which we have underway. That's pretty cool in my mind, and building common microservices so that we can get speed to market and delivery of applications. But also, you know, and I'll use Salesforce as, a, as, a, as an example here, is, you know, Financial cloud. Um, The financial cloud has been great for us because we've built a whole self-service experience, especially in our contact center where customers can do simple tasks and we're building upon that. And we're using some of the cool features like uh, biometrics that we like and some of the other analysis features that comes in financial cloud to help us. Uh, We think uh, heavily about data science as well and building um, capabilities around AI and particular, you know, sort of machine learning, natural language processing, like chatbots and stuff. So a whole host of things we're working on that are very cool and exciting for us.
0: I think more like probably just consumers, right? Where a lot of consumers are probably, there's, we kind of want things just done for us a little bit, you know, like I mentioned, robo-advisory. And that usually starts, like you said, with the foundation in data science, machine learning, some type of artificial intelligence or programmatic algorithmic trading computations. Is that like a big request among finance customers, or are they more interested in? Of course, everyone's interested in security, but I didn't know like where that weighs and like people's priority. I'm guessing security is still number one. Like, don't ever lose my money.
1: Security is number one. You know, credentials got high scores when it comes to being the rock and being very solid and high integrity kind of thing. But what people do want is they want the ability to do things, simple things like, you know, be able to log in and check that their money is there, right? I mean, it sounds silly. That is security is just checking every day because in a volatile market, being able to do that or going online and, and making requests. Um, you know, life insurance is different than other financial products, life insurance and annuities. And that they want to be able to access the advisor. So they want both. It's a little different than what you describe in banking, where people go in into the the wealth management business and their financial advisor. We really are more about uh, kind of a suite of products and we're built upon kind of the financial wellness side of it. So ensuring the customer's financial security. It's a little different than maybe some of the other financial companies you've spoken with.
0: So our listeners tend to blend on the career spectrum from very beginner, like software developers and engineers are just starting to learn and start their careers to actual CIOs that are also operating big teams. You know, I don't know if any of the teams are as big as yours, but like they're operating big teams themselves. What are some of the consideration sets that are a lot different, I guess, in this industry like in this industry or this product portfolio that maybe other companies don't think about? Like because some of the concepts you mentioned, I think some software companies or tech people will be like, that sounds easy to do. But for your industry, it's hard to do. Give us an idea of what you're facing, like what challenges and Roblox that you guys have to, that you're in your team are constantly innovating out of.
1: Scale and complexity and are two that come to mind. Scale, I mean, if you think about the size of our assets or liability book, it's, it's extremely large. And the complexity of products we have. I mean, people think about life insurance and they think about a simple product. We have quite a few products in around 145 years. Although I don't think there's a 145 year old policy. <laughs> <laughs> and if I and if we sold you that one, Albert, we definitely. If someone sold you that, we need you to come over to Prudential. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kidding aside. If you think about the complexity of life insurance and annuities, it's different than banking products, right? But if you go to a financial advisor, it's it's probably similar to a a prudential advisor. We're trying to do what's best for you and your current uh, situation, whatever your needs are. So it's really about complexity scale of insurance and annuities, It's it's a different animal.
0: So one of the things that you certainly are this problem is facing you, which is facing a lot of tech leaders today, is this idea around attracting talent. Attracting talent is one of the big major challenges. You know for a lot of companies, a lot of, especially in the the tech development world, whatever it may be, people like to go with like they like a lot of young engineers they think they want to go to hey, fast moving, move fast, break things type companies. You know, I don't know how many things you're allowed to break at Prudential. I'm assuming it's not that many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, give us an idea of what, like, your industry, Prudential, how you face, how you handle recruiting, because it is certainly the most coveted skill. Let's say web and, you know, engineering talent is extremely coveted. Just about every company in the world is building a software layer that customers interact with. So you're fighting that superstar engineer hey, it's not just Prudential that wants them. It's every person in your industry and every person in every other industry that wants this person as well. Talk about how you guys are approaching recruiting and retention of talent.
1: Albert, I I think a little differently. I think this is the new frontier. Take banking, for instance. It's been differentiated. It's been disrupted. There's every kind of startup or fintech and and they're competing with the banks. And the banks themselves have already built a lot of the technology, whether it's kind of, go way back with simple ATM technology to now where you don't even have to go to the ATM if you don't want to, right? With Venmo, name it, PayPal, whatever whatever you want to use, or even kind of Zelle, Bank of America, you don't even have to kind of touch a branch in any way, and uh, you can do it all mobile. But insurance annuities, our industry has so much opportunity to really differentiate, To think about coming in and really testing your skills as an engineer, can you solve the challenges we have with the legacy infrastructure and help us differentiate? Those are rare opportunities today. So we're attracting a lot of talent because we also have an advantage like some of the bigger companies where we are committed to making the investment because we want a better customer experience. I also think that even though it's really hip and cool to go to some startup all the time and it feels like a great vibe, ask some of uh, the folks out there in your next interview what it's like for them. When you come to Prudential, we have such a strong culture. Our employees are really important to to us. So if you think about the culture, the investment and commitment to technology and to be on the forefront of potentially being a differentiator and, and using technology to disrupt, that's a lot of fun. For people. So yes, it's corporate. It's not a startup, but I can't show you, but I am wearing jeans right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of in my comfort zone, right? I get a blend. So it's, it's fun. It's a fun environment. We're really changing everything and we're, we're invested. So it's just as much fun for an engineer to do engineering problems here as elsewhere, but you could be part of the future of helping uh, Prudential lead the way in being tech forward and disrupting the industry a bit
0: you know one of the things that you you have to do you mentioned earlier is like how secure like secure, security is number 1 right how much time energy goes into like checking qaing products before they go live to the customer because this might be a this might be shocking maybe to some of like our engineering Audience members that like are used to like move fast, break things, like they're willing to ship code into like the actual customer environment and it just broken, then they just roll it back. Like I don't think that's possible for potential. Like, I don't think you could do that.
1: Well, I don't think anybody really does that. You know, even Salesforce. Could you imagine if we're using a Salesforce product and they say, uh-oh, we're gonna roll out a new release in an hour, and then they call us back, you know, you know, the next day and say, Oh, we gotta give you a new release. Uh, they don't do it. So even if you're working for the Microsofts of the world or or the you know Amazons, whoever, what you're doing is you're testing your software pretty quickly, and you're using new modern techniques. I talked about DevOps, which allowed you to kind of build the whole test capability into the process itself, right? So if you, if you think about how we develop software today and we implement those modern practices, uh, your testing is going. And if something doesn't work, you can quickly change it. But generally, we're not going to push out something to the customer without having some thorough testing. The concept of QA you know, is something we want to be built into the process, not to be separate over time. And that's one of our ambitions, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to iterate through because when I first started working, you know, it could take weeks and weeks. And I'm not talking about potential. <laughs> But years ago, you know, it take weeks and weeks to really test something. So your cycles were longer. Now we can release much more frequently and really test the software quicker. So I think that's a less of an issue. But going back to recruiting, if anybody wants to come, we're doing some cool things, right? So I think that's kind of the, the fun of it and what's changed in the tech world a bit.
0: You know, one of the things we always always want to do with our guests too is kind of learn a little bit about your own career path, you know, obviously currently serving as EVP CIO, Prudential. You know, we looked you up on LinkedIn. You're you've, you've definitely spent quite a bit of your career in the financial services, Finra, insurance. I think that we bucket that all together, industry. How did you get your start? What were you most fascinated in, and give us an idea of how you got your start down this path?
1: Oh wow, um, I don't want to go that far back, but I joke because I came out of school and I wanted to be like a rocket scientist. I thought I'd go to Grumman Aerospace and, you know, build the next F-14. Now now I'm dating myself with Top Gun and everything, but you laugh, but I thought I was going to be an aerospace engineer and it was the most uh, boring job. And at least early on in my career, all I did was uh, fix code, uh, right? I'd sit there and if there was a bug, they'd send it my way and I'd have to fix the code. And put it in, but it was the way they worked. It wasn't dynamic, it wasn't exciting. We did a lot of government contracts. And I shouldn't say anything bad about Grubbin Aerospace because they gave me my first job, which was great. But I left pretty quickly because I knew it wasn't for me. But of course, I thought I was then going to go become an actuary. And then a very good friend and recruiter said to me, Stacy, you're, you're not going to be happy there, come with me. And he took me down to Solomon Brothers and uh, I was hooked. I didn't even know what a debt or inequity product was, but walking out on the trading floor, seeing the environment, the dynamic nature of the business, I was hooked, and I've stayed in financial services uh since so and I've worked technology on the business side, you know I've enjoyed the mix, but it's always been in in the tech field
0: yeah now that's awesome. I can see that because I remember being a. Well, so I'll date myself too. It's okay. But when I, when I saw, when I remember when I was a kid, when I first saw like the scenes from Wall Street, it just seemed like this at a pace that was like relentless. Like this pace is like, you know, the way why they always depicted in movies. I don't know if that was actually like that in, on the trading floor, but it was always like people are yelling stuff and trying to close deals and bah, bah, bah. obviously that's how it's depicted. Now, when you see, you know, like my kids, they've seen um, when they show like a, uh, on CNBC or something like that, and they show the trading floor, it looks just quiet, like just people looking at computers.
1: Yeah, you know, it's different because not that long ago, you know, everything has been automated. So a lot of stuff is done electronically and algorithmically. So it's very different than, you know, when you used to have to yell and have an out pure outcry system on the floor. Or if you were on a trading desk, you know, there's a lot more that's done digitally today. Uh, so it is different. And um, I guess I picked the right field because it's all tech driven.
0: Stacy, I want to say it's been awesome having you on the show and sharing some of the things that you guys are up to at Prudential and some of the methods that you're using to modernize and meet the customer and elevate the experience. But before you go... It is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Stacy, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so that our audience can get to know you a little bit better. You ready?
1: Uh-oh. Yes, I guess so.
0: All right. You've mentioned that you're a golf fan. Yes. Tell me the best score you've had on any given round.
1: My best score was 78. Perfect for the 72.
0: That's a good score.
1: Yeah, that's a good score. I'm not as good anymore. (laughs) How long have you been playing golf? Not that long.
0: How did you pick it up?
1: I don't know. You know, my father put a golf club in my hand when I was young. and I used to hit some balls now and then just to kill time when I was waiting for him. But I really got the itch when I got older and thought that it would be a great opportunity to kind of meet some people when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. That's about, um, oh, maybe 15 years ago. And I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I started picking up a club and I got addicted. Uh, It's a very addicting sport. I know it's hard to believe because you're trying to hit this tiny ball and it's frustrating, but you hit one good hit and it brings you back again.
0: So I've met multiple golfers, and I always say, you know, they always say it's addicting and fun. And I was like, but every time I've seen you play, you look miserable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's one of those sports that you really want to master, but you can't, especially if you work. And even if you don't work, you know, the pros make it look so easy, but they play all the time every day and they've played for years and years. And so it's a sport you never master. It's that great round that you have. It's that fun time you have with some friends or family. It's just a great feeling. And you're outdoors, you know, spending four hours outdoors on a weekend is fantastic.
0: There you go. Besides golf, what do you like to do for fun?
1: Golf. Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I have my family. I like spending time uh, with my family. I like to travel a little bit, although that's not happening these days. And I love my job. So that's probably where I spend most of my time.
0: So along the way, we often meet mentors that help guide us down the path. Who are some of the more influential people in your life that have helped you?
1: I mentioned my father. My father really helped me in an, in an odd way. Uh, he taught me the value of a lot of things even though I probably rebelled against it when I was younger, but he really taught me a lot of good stuff. I think perseverance is one, you know, that people would say for me, I'm pretty resilient and I drive and that's and my father.
0: All right. Tell us a recent piece of technology or gizmo that you've encountered that you think is going to be influential or like groundbreaking and, and maybe just, doesn't have to be groundbreaking to everybody, just groundbreaking for you that like you're just really excited about.
1: I have to think about that. But, you know, again, I, I don't do a lot on the weekends. I spend time with my family and travel. But I think it's some of the apps that are coming out. The, this little Apple watch can, you know, do things like tell me how far I hit the ball. It can tell me the distance. It talks to me. Uh, it's pretty cool what they're doing in a very inexpensive, simple app. How can it so much improve my experience for the game? That to me is a Pretty cool thing, right? Those little—I tra- take the, the portable TrackMan. You know, they—they run on your phone. You have a little device, and that's pretty cool stuff that's come out. That makes that makes like some of the sport more affordable for a lot of people to learn and have a similar experience. That you just have to pay like ten bucks for an app, or or buy a device that would normally cost like twenty five thousand. Even they're much more affordable. It comes to mind. I'm very golf oriented. If you haven't noticed.
0: I'm like that too. I have like a, only a handful of hobbies. I spend all my energy. If I get to choose what I'm going to do, I'm going to choose that. So I can totally respect it. And I mean, I can see it like getting away, being outside, shooting golf. Like it sounds fun. I mean, like I said, the only golf experience I've had is Top Golf, which you have also agreed is extremely yeah, fun.
1: It's <laughs> fun. It's fun. But I also do some stuff that are near and dear to my heart. I feel very strongly about food insecurity in America. And so, you know, I recently joined the board of the Community Food Bank in New Jersey. Food insecurity is crazy in this country. The numbers are staggering, if I were to share them with you. So doing stuff like that as well. So I kid about, like, I, I, I golf, I spend time with my family. But I also think um, one of my passions as, as my career progresses is to do things around food insecurity and also education. Because I think uh, kids do it. So we do a lot of stuff. With prudentials, well, another great thing about the company, we're very committed to the community, and so we do some things around uh, tech as well.
0: Yeah, those are very noble causes. I understand completely where you're coming from. My my children go to a school where a decent percentage of the students are on the free free meal program, free lunch program, which means their family's income is under a certain. You know, income line. And uh, it was, it was pretty sad when COVID happened, like to describe what the problem you're talking about, which is like, these kids actually depended on school to feed them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you, the numbers are starting. It's like 38 million Americans food insecurity. It could be just not enough to eat or not the right foods to eat. So I think it's really important. I, I know we're having fun today, but I also want to mention, you know, there are things we, we should do as well to help our community.
0: And if someone's interested in hearing this and they care about this cause as well, can you go ahead and plug the nonprofit that you're a part of?
1: Yeah, the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. You can Google them and you can get their their site. They're the largest food bank in the state of New Jersey, and uh, they're doing a fantastic job. And their goal isn't just to provide food. Uh, their goal is to to help people, you know, get back on their feet so that they can get you know, fruit, you know, fend for themselves. So they're doing some pretty cool things. So I highly recommend people looking them up and see what they're doing. You can volunteer, donate, pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place.
0: So for those that want the exact site is cfbnj.org. That's cfbnj.org. Stacy, i want to say thank you for sharing so much about what Prudential's up to, how you guys are modernizing the employee, the not just the employee experience, but also the customer experience. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your, how your father mentored you, your love of golf, and of course, the nonprofit that you are currently a part of. And that's once again, cfbnj.org. Obviously, Prudential is a massive company. Check it out, Prudential Financial. Stacey, I want to thank you again for joining us today on IT Visionaries.
1: Albert, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.